Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm here with special someone who wanted to say hello at the top of the show, Mother Linda Pellegrino. Ma, say hello. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to say hello and um, just say I'm here visiting Danny today and we're having a great time. My husband and I are here for a couple days before we head on to my husband's happy place, which is Las Vegas, (laughs) Nevada. Vegas, you guys are slot players. What's your favorite slot? Um, I like the Buffalo slots. What is the Buffalo? They're just, they're Buffaloes that, you know, it's just a slot machine. It's called Is it like the penny one though, right? Uh, They're the penny ones. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't bet real high or anything like that. Dad might be a a liar. You dad, dad, it might be a little bit different story. No, dad's a, he's a conservative bet. Guys are such liars. No, we just like the slots and we don't ever go over like a dollar fifty two dollar bet. So you it's do a penny, the penny slot. It's a penny you, slot, but it's a dollar fifty bet. So, but what's the difference? Why wouldn't you do like the dollar? Because when I go, I like the Wheel of Fortune one. You know, I like. Yeah, that. I don't know. We just always bet pennies. We just always do. That's all. What we've and you do the penny, but with the max bet, right? Right. Sometimes it's a dollar fifty, two dollars, two twenty. Maybe that would be the tops. Okay. So but we don't ever do anything more. But anyways, I just um, I'm enjoying my time here with Dan. Uh, with Danny, dancer people call with me the dancer. People call me dancer because I told stories I'm, on the show before how you call me dancer, and it always throws me off when people say it because you've always been the only. I've always one to called call me him dancer. Yep. Uh, but I also have to say, right before we got on here, you said, "What did you say to me?" You said, "I said, Ma, come on and say hello to people," and you said, "Oh, should I say hi to my fans?" I was just going to say, "Hi, fans! It's Linda. Surprise, surprise." <laughs> Oh, okay. Mom, well, I'm know. a little I'm a little shy in front of the microphone, but it you, is what it is. You told me you were gonna go get your you were like, I Dan, I gotta put on a makeup or something. No, I I said, Let me go put on my better shirt and And I said, I Mom, it's better. a podcast, it's audio only. People yeah. won't see you. Well, it's good. We're but good. You look beautiful. It's all good. And uh I'm glad you got to say hello because people always ask me, they say when is your mom going to come on? Because I tell stories about you. Okay. Before I let you go, the one thing that everyone does always ask is what's going on with the bold ass woodpecker at your house? You were just up. Well, me. I will tell you, we were, my son was over, my other son, our oldest son was over the day before we left for vacation. And he looked over at our house and he's like, what is that over there up on top by the, you know, by the um, gutters and all that. And it's wood there. And he looked over there and my husband went over there and he's like, the woodpecker got at it again. So as soon as we get home, that's like a top priority for that's dad. Like we have list. to go there and make sure that woodpecker isn't like eating all my wood there. <laughs> so that's what we'll do next. But yeah, yeah the woodpecker came back. 
busy. Yeah, the bold yeah, ass woodpeckers. woodpeckers back. But yeah. you know what? Linda's going to take care of them. Linda's got all the critters in the yard. <laughs> well, Ma, I love you so much. And thank you for popping by. Everything well, I always love you more, Danny. And uh, hopefully you'll come back for like a full episode. You don't, People also want to know, why don't you come on and talk housewives oh. with me? But you don't watch housewives. I don't really watch the housewives. Unless they're the housewives of Cleveland. I know a lot about the Cleveland housewives. Yeah, we, I, could, I could tell you a bunch of stories. I know. We need to have like, yeah. you and your friends to there do like a full Cleveland. Yes, yes. And mom, tell everyone to buy my book right now. Everybody, go buy the book, How Do I Unremember This, by Danny Pellegrino. It's a great read. You guys will enjoy it. Sit by the pool, sit outside on a you know, a soft chair and just enjoy it. Just a soft chair. So, yeah, there's it's lots it's of a real easy read and it's a really good story. Thanks, Matt. Love you. Love you more. Bye. Okay, we got to say goodbye to Queen Icon Legend, but we're going to talk all about the Bravo stuff, Real House in New Jersey. So let's play a clip and then get into all of that. So what's the vibe? Like, do we want it to be an angry song? or? We got some lady drama this week, and I'm not talking about the actual drama, although we did get a little bit of that on the Real House in New Jersey. What I'm referring to is the music that we did on the Real House in New Jersey on their Nashville trip. Now, I think you all know what I'm about to say. And that is, we've had enough of the ladies getting together as a cast and making music. Enough! 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 Enough. Now, I know I complain often on this podcast. I complain about the axe throwing. I complain about the goat yoga. But now it seems that these group music scenes have replaced that. And I love a housewife in a studio. To me, there's nothing better than that. First time Luann stepped inside the four walls of a studio and recorded, Money Can't Buy You Class. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Countess speaking. There was nothing better than that. Or when Kim Zolciak first recorded a song called Tightrope that was inexplicably never released, and then instead got Candy on board and decided to release a song called Tardy for the Party that was one of the greatest pop anthems of all time. Even outside of the Real Housewives universe, I love when a Bravo celebrity sets foot inside those walls and records something like Sheena Shea's Good as Gold. I love when they get in a recording booth, but there's something that takes the magic out of it when we're doing it as a cast. Even here on The Real Houses in New Jersey, we had Melissa Gorga record one of the greatest pop anthems of all time, which is, of course, On Display, On Display, On Display, where she sings about being on display each and every day, every day, every day. And lest we not forget, that was one of her very first seasons as a housewife. It might have even been her very first season as a housewife when she was not, in fact, on display yet because the season hadn't aired. So so I just want to say that I'm someone who loves when they get into that recording booth with the headphones on and pretend to be singers. But there's the magic, the oomph, the X factor, the joie de vivre, the excitement is taken away when we're doing it as a cast. And it first happened over on The Real Houses in New York when they decided to do a Christmas song. Remember, what do I want for Christmas? Just you. And it was truly horrific. It was the cherry on top of a horrific season of that show. But we excused it. A, I excused it because it was a holiday song, and I've been begging for a Bravo celebrity to record a holiday song. But of course, I wanted just Luann to record something with a jingle bell, not the whole cast. <sighs> and then uh, I excused it. Then in Orange County last week, we have these women doing a full-on music video full-blown music video that made no fucking sense at the end of an episode of a season finale. 
And by the way, I want to say that that song in Orange County was an earworm. It's something that I love. I've been listening to and singing in my head ever since they played it on the show. But by God, if you're out there and you do not believe that multiple people got fired over that finale, then you are kidding yourselves. I know that the network, I'm not sure who's in charge Who's in charge of the network, if it's Bravo or it's a production company, but believe you me, multiple people got f- fired from that finale because I heard from different producers of different shows and stuff, and everyone agreed that that finale was I- in the gutter. I'm not going to name names, but people were saying. I heard from multiple, multiple people on the other side of the camera from uh, different shows who said that finale was in the fucking gutter. So if you think that multiple people, both in the cast and whoever decided to air that music video at the end of Orange County aren't getting fired or aren't, aren't praying to the Bravo gods to pray into our dear Andy that they don't get fired, you are kidding yourself. And now here on New Jersey, they decide on a Nashville trip, which of course we love Nashville. I, I think it's a great city, although I, like I said, I wish they had gone international. However, we're in Nashville and they decided to do something that I didn't even know was possible. It reminded me of when you go to amusement park when I was a teen. I would go to Joggle Lake. I'd go to Cedar Point, which were theme parks back in Ohio. Cedar Point, I remember. They had this little wood cabin in the middle of the amusement park, okay? Amidst the roller coasters, amidst the funnel cakes, the roller coasters, and the street hot dog, the street corn dog, you could go into this room and you could record in front of a green screen a music video with friends. And what they would have was a box of wigs and teenagers would go ruffle through the box of wigs and different props. You know, they oftentimes would have the blow up guitars. So what I mean by a blow up guitar is I mean it was basically a balloon that looked like it was supposed to be a guitar. Do you get what I mean? So they'd have all these sort of props, these cheap party city props, and you'd run in front of the green screen and you'd lip sync or whatever in front of, and I have one. I did one at Cedar Point, right? It would, you would all chip in your money and it was very expensive to teens at the time, but really in retrospect, it was probably like $35 or something. And they would let you leave with the VHS tape of you singing this song with the fucking wig on. I have one. I don't remember what it was. My friend, we did it. I'll have to try to find a clip. My friend Katie B who her and I, with a group of our friends, we put on, I had a pink wig on and sunglasses, big old sunglasses, and it was making music video. So this is something that would be in an amusement park. And yet here on The Real House in New Jersey, they're doing something similar, albeit a little bit different, where they were going to this place, what was Nash Fox? Nash Fox, I think that's what it's called, where they write a song with some people. And I'm sorry, I know people need to make a buck, but those producers... Are they, are they really? Do they really need to be doing this now? I mean, is it there are no country music stars that they need to write music for, or is this just for extra side hustle? I'm not sure. Doesn't Miranda Lambert or some? I mean, I know Miranda writes some of her own music. And by the way, I do have to say, I'm not hating on country music because I love country music. I used to work for the AC, uh, AMC, not AMC, <laughs> ACM Awards. What if AMC, like the that channel, just had their own award show or was just like giving out awards for The Walking Dead? Anyway, that's not the point. I used to work for the ACM Awards. So I like country music, but this was not country music. And not only that, they were playing all these weird country songs in between, in between scenes. There was one time we were going over to the men on the houseboat where they were playing some song like, I got a houseboat, gonna be a houseboat, getting me a houseboat for you and me. And it was like, what the fuck is that song? Uh, Tim McGraw would not... I, I wish I was in the house of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, and I wish I could see them watching this episode, see how they feel about all this, how the city of Nashville and country music is being portrayed here on The Real House of New Jersey, because it was not okay. 
Um, so it is something that I just think we need to stop. We need to stop enough, 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 enough. I know they came up with a song called Lady Drama, which of course reminded me of this. Tell the drama, no. Tell the drama, no. They must have been listening to Everything Iconic to write that song about Lady Drama. And then by the end of it, none of it, we didn't even get to hear really the full thing. Because at the end, they sort of played the track, and we could hear them singing or talking over the track. But we, I felt like we didn't even really hear the whole track. But by the end, I don't even think it rhymed. Because there was one point, it seemed like they rhymed Louboutins and something else. Then at the end, when I heard the final version, they just had Louis, and it didn't rhyme with... It didn't rhyme with nothing. And I think Jackie, actually, I played that clip. Jackie was trying to figure out... She wanted to record a hit. Jackie was in it to win it. She went in the uh, recording booth like Kelly Clarkson. She's like, are we going to do an angry song? Like, what are we doing? She was coming up with lyrics. She was spitting lyrics, as they say. <sighs> but it was just enough. I felt like all these houses now, it's just... If I see it on another one, it reminded me of Nini on The Real Houses of Atlanta when she went to get candy to drop some beats in Puerto Rico. Well, Candy, won't you check around Puerto Rico and see if there's a studio we can go drop some beats? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for Atlanta to come back, you guys. I I just feel like I miss them. I miss them in Sheree. The, the idea that Sheree's coming back to us on Atlanta, I feel really good about it. I just do feel great about it. Sheree, I've missed her. I miss Marlo even. Now she's got a peach, and I feel like I've missed her a lot in the offseason. Kenya, I know Kenya's not always a popular housewife, but I love me some Kenya on that show. I do. To me, she stirs it up. She gives. So I'm excited to see all of them. And Candy, I like Candy too. Candy and the gang's going on now, but I need Candy in the ensemble that is the Real House of Atlanta. I just miss those gals. I'm excited. I think they got a new one, a new housewife coming. But Marlo got the peach. Drew's back too. And. I know I was sort of a Drew apologist last season. I feel like there's there's good stuff. I, I'm excited about the Drew of it all for season two. I always felt like we needed to invest in Drew because I feel like there's some messiness that we've only scratched the surface of, of course, with the Ralph. I think there's more to it, and it's going to be juicy to watch unfold. So I'm excited about Lena. Anyway, um, this episode of The Real House in New Jersey. Oh, I know we're already 10 minutes in, but I did want to just quickly mention, I want to say a big congratulations. Uh, this is a big day for everything iconic. It's a big day. And I just want to say congratulations to our dear Ashley Darby, who has announced her separation from Demon Darby. Let's go, girls. She, uh, I don't believe they're divorced. I'm not even exactly sure. My parents are visiting town, so they're here. So I haven't really been quite up to date. But although I was alerted that she did announce a separation from her husband, Demon Darby, and I believe that means she's going to be getting some money because remember, she renegotiated the prenup. So I believe and I hope that means she's getting some money. And so that man put her through hell and back. And so he, I don't know what he's going to be doing now. I don't know what it's going to be played out on camera. Whew. Sorry, I got excited about it. I'm excited about that drama. I just feel good about it. And I feel like it's going to be a good season of Potomac now. I mean, Potomac always delivers, don't they? But I'm excited for that. But I wanted to mention, congratulations, Ashley Darby. And I hope that demon uh, just goes away forever and ever. Okay, so then... What else do we have to say? Oh, Summer House, too. Summer House. I just wanted to mention that chaotic dinner. Wasn't that a, Did you guys see that? Because they all have the espresso martinis, and I feel like that made them nuts. And 
I was watching it. Matt was actually tuned in. He doesn't, my boyfriend doesn't always watch with the, with the thing, which by the way, I just have to update you all because of, uh, this podcast. Matt, I told you all how he's been obsessed with his ladder. He, we moved into a new place. He got a ladder. And on Valentine's Day, I saw him essentially snuggled up at the ladder watching the movie Poetic Justice, which was a, a tough visual for me to inhale. But, uh, that's not the point. The point is, He's since moved on to something else, another tool that he got at the Home Depot, which is a power washer. And I've seen him power washing every which thing he could find. It's I saw him power washing sidewalks that aren't even ours. He was outside just washing the sidewalks that aren't even part of our property or anything. It was like he was just washing the sidewalks. I'm like, Matt, you are not a city worker here, which God bless the city workers, but like, let them do that. That's why we pay our taxes, right? I mean, let them, somebody else clean the sidewalks, which I understand if there's litter you pick up on the sidewalk, that kind of thing. But you don't need a scrub with a power washer, the sidewalk. But it's like he's spending time with the power washer. I was like, I'm ready to go to dinner or something. And he's outside power washing some nonsense. I'm like, you got to let go of the power washer. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, on Summer House, he was watching it. And he's like, why are they all acting nuts because it was like there were so many fights going on. Kyle hit the table, hit, hit, what did I say? Hit the table. <laughs> that heterosexual hit the table, pounded the table. Luke was upset. No one was listening to him. Paige was yelling at Kyle. But you could tell they all had that espresso martini and it made them nuts. And that was the first time where I was like, oh yeah, we need them to keep drinking these espresso martinis because that kind of energy, it's basically like a Red Bull vodka, but it's just, I mean, I hope I'm saying that right, because you guys are going to yell at me. It's espresso, right? Not, It's not expresso. But you guys, I probably get yelled at. Somebody's going to DM me and say, you fucking idiot. <laughs> lately, I feel like the DMs, people, the DMs lately, I feel like have been a little bit extra mean, where it's like, Danny, you said that fucking name wrong, you dumb asshole. You know, they're tough. They're tough to read. Tough to read. Anyway, back to New Jersey. And then after the rest of this New Jersey chat, you guys, we have Melissa from The Real World New Orleans. Now, The Real World New Orleans aired in the year 2000. Then they came back now for The Real World Homecoming on Paramount Plus, which is this fantastic show. It's so, so good. You got to watch it. It's on Paramount Plus. I love the, it's called The Real World Homecoming. This is the third season of it. So they reunite the original cast. And this was the cast with Danny, of course, a gay awakening for so many young queer millennials, plus a Melissa who's fantastic TV. So Melissa, she's in it and she's phenomenal. And it's a great chat with her about coming out of the real world. And just, it, it's a really fascinating. So I hope you all listen and then also watch uh, the real world homecoming on Paramount Plus and just buy the, do the free trial if you don't want to pay for it. I'm not supposed to tell people that. I mean, that's a bad, bad thing to say, but you should really, it's a good show. It's a good show. Uh, so that'll be after the rest of this chat about New Jersey, which I'm not even sure. I mean, I guess I do have a few things. This was a boring episode, but I did have substantial things I want to say. So sit tight, little bear, because I first want to just all touch on the rooms that they're in. I know we talked about this last week. However, when I saw Frank Sr. wake up surrounded by all those child dolls. What the fuck? What the fuck? Why is he, why are they in rooms with all the toys? It's fucking weird. And I know we discussed it last week, but I don't know if we've all fully ingested this because each of these rooms are for children. Why are there so many children's rooms? Couldn't production at least cleared out some of the dolls? 
I mean, would it have killed them to move the crib out of Melissa's room? Or like, <laughs> it seems like couldn't we get a production designer, someone in there? I, I mean, what's going on there? What's going on with the budget on Jersey? Like, why are they all staying in child's playrooms? Because I saw big old Frank Sr., big ass Frank Sr. I mean, that's a big man. That's a mountain of a man. A mountain of a man. And he's just in this bed. And some of the beds are small, of course, because they're made for children. And big old man Evan, big man Evan, another mountain of a man sitting in that tiny full-size bed. And they're all surrounded by dolls and stuff. Like I was like, what am I watching? It reminded me of an episode. And I'm not even sure if it's a specific episode, but remember that show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? It was like a Nickelodeon show from back in the day. That's what I kept thinking of. I was like, are we in? I don't know why. I, I feel like there was an episode of that, or maybe it was something else where there were all these little dolls come to life. I'm not talking about Chucky, but it was like a bunch of, I don't know, Frank Sr. though. Surrounded. It was like so much dolls and then also so much dildo work. I mean, two opposite ends of the spectrum where it was like this episode, there were so many blurred out dicks. You would have thought we were on a bachelorette weekend because everyone, there was a dick every time I looked somewhere. Another inch of the screen, it was a blurred out dick. Blurred out balls or something. Those poor Bravo editors who had to keep blurring. I'm not sure who's hired to just blur out the dicks. But they had their hands full this weekend. They had their hands full of just putting those pixels over the dicks. Because it was a lot. And quite frankly, it was too much. Quite frank, seniorly, it was too much for those Bravo editors or whoever does the graphic design. I'm not sure if they have to hire some CGI artists or something to put those pixels over. But it was a lot of work, a lot of dildos on screen. And honestly, I wish they would have blurred out all them dolls, because I didn't need to see all them dolls in bed with Frank Sr. It's something about it creeped me out. I got a little uncomfortable about it, and I don't even know why exactly, but it made me feel very uncomfortable. And then that mountain of a man was sitting with the pool noodle, too. I mean... <laughs> I was laughing so hard at Frank Sr. on a pool noodle. I don't even know why that. Frank Sr. on a pool noodle just really, that gave me a boost of serotonin. I mean, I just he's such a big man. And I was thinking, like, is that pool noodle really holding him up in the lake or wherever the fuck they were swimming? Which you know I don't like a lake. You never know what's floating around in the lake. I mean, you wouldn't know if it was one of Joe Gorga's dildos floating around or some weird fish or a needle or old Band-Aid. I feel like anytime you go in the waters, like the lake waters, I'm always seeing like a Band-Aid float by. And it's like, why is a Band-Aid floating by? You know, that's what happens. Or I mentioned Jogga Lake uh, earlier on the show, which was this amusement park that I grew up near. And they used to have this place called The Wave. It was in the water park area. And it was like a man-made, how the um, ocean does waves. It was like a man wave, <laughs> man-made wave pool. So you'd go in it, and so it'd just be loaded with people. And it was so gross, and you'd always, like, the wave would come, and it would. part of the fun was that the wave would sweep you under. And every time you'd come up for air, it'd be like somebody's Band-Aid on you, like, randomly Band-Aids just coming. And it was truly, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. So that's why I only like waters that I can see through. I only want to be in, like... Uh, Hawaii or like somewhere where you could see through the water. So I know that somebody's used band-aids not coming on me. Okay. Now I am a little bit of a germaphobe, but I still think that's a pretty reasonable thing to not want to be around or swimming in someone use band-aids. I'm sicking everyone out by talking about these used band-aids so much, but it's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, okay. What else is going on? 
Then uh, yeah, so him on the him on the pool noodle really made me laugh. Uh, the Teresa of it all doesn't it feel like Teresa's on? Uh, she's a little bit on an island, and it seems like even Dolores is switching teams a little bit. I'm not sure. People are speculating maybe Teresa's over filming. Maybe she don't want to film anymore. And I, I I worry about losing Teresa because here's the problem: she is whether you want to believe it or not. Teresa really is this show. Whether that makes is something you like about the show or not she is the show and so i think what we all need to be cognizant of for people who want her to go it's going to be a transitional so that means if teresa goes believe you me next season is going to be crap i'm sorry it's going to be because it's going to be a transitional year teresa's an alpha they either need to get an alpha who knows how to play the game of housewives or it's going to be a lot of kind of like people because as of Right now, what happens on the show is that people tiptoe around Teresa. So we saw that later in the episode when they were all sitting down. Jen, Dolores, Melissa, the whole cast tiptoes around. Even the people who, when Jackie will speak up against Teresa or when somebody speaks up, it's not speaking up in the way they would to other cast members. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still a little tiptoey. And so it would be such an adjustment that I worry about if Teresa goes next season. Now, a lot of people are saying uh, maybe Teresa, I think two judgy girls have maybe posted this, maybe Teresa should do the spinoff. She could do her own spinoff with the daughters, and then her and the daughters can have their own show, and then the other women can move on because it seems like there's a disconnect. But I don't know about that. It worries me because then I think we get a minimum of one transition season, maybe two, and eventually we could get back on track, but is it worth it? Is it worth it to have one whole season that would be a big old flop? Because I'm not sure I can handle more flop seasons. And I love this season. So I just want to present that to the jury. And by jury, I mean all of you. That we need to be cognizant of it. It's just something to be aware of. Now, I do think that, again, Teresa maybe don't even want to film with these people. I don't think she likes these people at all. And it was revealed on Watch What Happens Live that Melissa hasn't been speaking to Teresa since the reunion. And I, for one, am thrilled that now we're not pretending that Melissa and Teresa are friendly at all, because they definitely hate each other. But as I was watching this episode, I'm like, man, Teresa hates everyone on this show. She hates every single—I don't even think Teresa really likes Dolores. And that's controversial. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that, but I do believe that— Therese actually does not care for Dolores even. So, and Jen too. I don't even think her and Jen, they seem like they have no connection. It seems like Jen sort of sticks up sometimes for Teresa, but I don't actually believe they have any genuine connection. So I don't know. I want, they either need to bring my solution or my sort of hope or whatever is that maybe they need to bring on a Teresa friend, a genuine friend. I'm not saying someone like, who is new to the group who we're going to pretend is friends there. I'm saying we need to maybe bring on someone uh, that would maybe be a solution. But I also understand, like, if Teresa doesn't want to be on the show, then she shouldn't be on the show. Get off the show. Um, but I kind of worry if getting rid of her would it would be tough. It would be tough. Um, Boot Barn. I just want to touch on Boot Barn. I want to touch on the name Boot Barn mostly. Uh, it's a lot. It was a lot. And this is coming from me, who in Ohio, I grew up going to a place called The Dress Barn, which I do not know if it's still a chain, but I remember my mom would take a young Danny, me, 
And whenever she needed some new clothes or something, back in Solon, Ohio, there was a place called The Dress Barn. Now, looking back, no one should buy a dress from something called The Dress Barn. That's just, you sh- it's common sense, common knowledge. I don't think my mother, Linda Pellegrino, would shop at a place called The Dress Barn today. But when I was a young boy, I remember she would make me go. And you know when you're at that age where you, they can't leave you home alone, but you got to come with, so you got to come with them. So then you're just like waiting near in a chair in the store. I always hated it. But I remember I would have to wait in this chair. They had one chair. And I remember the other kids would have to fight over the chair to sit in while the moms would go shop around Dress Barn. And I look back and I'm like, why the fuck was anyone shopping at a place called Dress Barn? Now, Boot Barn is a little bit better. Teresa did pick up the funniest shoes, though, at the Boot Barn. It was like they were fringe blue cowboy boots. <laughs> Fringe blue cowboy boots. Oh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. Oh, I, the Dolores thing, I also want to mention, she compared Teresa to a shelter dog. And so I just have to bring that up. I mean, if a friend did that to me, remember that one reunion where Andy Cohen compared Brandy to a dog and Brandy's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> she said it at the reunion. That was probably why she got let go from the show. But I remember Brandy, it was so funny because Andy's like, oh, so you're saying like Brandy's like a dog, he was saying to LVP. And Brandy's like, fuck you. Oh my God, it made me laugh. I mean, what a good moment. They've really given us some good moments. I know we always give them so much shit, but when I think back, some of these moments, I mean, come on, something like this is uh, perfect. Mm, well, Candy, won't you check around Puerto Rico and see if there's a studio we can go drop some beats? <laughs> <laughs> I love when Candy laughs too, that little Candy. Drop some beats. I mean, so Bravo has given us so much. So I. I can't even get mad at them because they've given us so much. I just worry about all the music. I do worry about the music. Bill, also, I worry about him. I, he needs a comb. SOS on a comb for Bill. Just can somebody, I don't know, can we get a, I don't know, is Eden Sassoon still around? Can we contact her to send some combs Bill's way? Because I think there's oftentimes he's showing up to film, and I just need him to run a brush through that hair. Sometimes it looks like Bill got in a fight with a weed whacker, and I'm like, why are you showing up in front of the red light looking like that? Just somebody comb the hair down. Just a little bit. And again, I'm not a, fa- I'm not a makeup artist. I'm not a hairstylist. Not, I don't know any of this stuff. But with Bill specifically, I'm like, did you just come from getting in a fight with a weed whacker? Because why is the hair going every which way? It's like It looks like he stuck his hand, a wet hand in a socket. Uh, electrical socket and then showed up to film and i'm like bill somebody just comb it down even the wife jen i'm like can jen can you at least run your fingers through it even the men are all touching each other's balls and uh, kissing each other's asses on the boats every time i see those men scenes it's like they're all so homoerotic i feel like i'm watching that scene from top gun where they're all playing volleyball without their blouses on and they're all touching each other every part of their whole bodies and i'm like can somebody touch bill's hair and pat it down just to a touch, even just a little bit, run a couple fingers through it. And then I think he even, sh- he was drunk. He showed up with this shirt on backwards. It's like, what's going on with this shirt? So Bill, I mean, Bill seems like a lightweight, but I love Bill. I do love me some Bill. I mean, when he, sh- I was cracking up at the shirt backwards and the hair going every which way. Uh, but he needs to just run a comb through it, run a comb through it. I'm done with the men's scenes too. I've had it. It does sort of feel like, and I, I don't know if this was a rumor that like I heard or I'm making up or I dreamed it or something, but I do think I heard allegedly maybe somewhere that they were trying to do a spinoff with the men. 
again, maybe I'm, I dream this, but I think they tried to do a spinoff. And it's, it seems very clear. If we read between the lines, this is the only show where they really lean into the men every episode. And so clearly the men are getting paid separately. And I know that's controversial too, because I've said that a bunch of times on this show that the men get paid. And I even got in trouble about it. I'm not going to say how or by who, but I was told that the men don't get paid, but there's no way they're filming all these scenes. Like it's, it would be, uh, there would be a workers comp issue if the men were filming without the wives and weren't getting paid. So I just have to point that out. Uh, but so I believe that they probably did try to do a spinoff, but with all these scenes, I'm like, okay, it's, it's a little fun and it's a little funny. But it's like funny for moments. It's to me, it's more funny. Like I'd rather just have like a quick cutaway of them drinking and then see Bill come in with the shirt on backwards and the hair loose instead of like a full five minutes with the men on the boat doing all that dildo work. Do you get what I mean? That's what I feel. So then at the end, they have this barbecue and Teresa, I just have to say, I love that. Was it snakeskin's cat suit or whatever the fuck she was wearing? I was obsessed with that outfit. Like it was so weird to me. And like, I found it, I found it so hot. Like she looked so good in it, but it also was like a not country, but then she had the cowboy boots on it. I don't know what about it. I was like obsessed with that outfit. I thought it looked good. Um, and then speaking of though, Teresa, she like wins me over and then two steps forward, two steps back because then she does, uh, the body shame with Margaret at dinner and it just pissed me off. I don't like that. I don't like that. She I said, you always eat a meal. And it's just the lowest of blows, and I just feel like there's so many other things that we could say to each other. And I think all the it's not just her. I think all the women oftentimes on these franchises do that kind of stuff. And I just kind of wish we would stop. It's like that, or I, they do the single thing. Remember, I think on Potomac they were doing a lot of that. Like, well, you're single, and it's like, okay, well, I don't know. I just feel like let's make fun of something else. I don't know. Um, then what else is happening? Oh, I do have to point out that Melissa, there was, it was really quick. It was really quick, you guys, but I think I saw Melissa pour wine into her water. And then I believe I saw maybe Tracy, maybe somebody else pour water into a candle votive at the dinner table. I believe she thought the candle votive was the glass for drinking. I'm not sure. Somebody have to go back and look, but I kind of, I saw that really quick. Saw it really quick. Uh, they do line dancing. Oh, the party planner for this. Did anyone else get a tiki flirting vibe with the party planner? I don't know. I kind of did. I'm not saying that he was flirting inappropriately with the party planner who arrived at the house to do the barbecue party planning, but I am implying it. I am implying it. I, I saw it with my eyes and they even changed the music around. It was like a kind of like a sexy music when he answered the door for that party planner. <sighs> okay. What else? That's it. Uh, Teresa was bar- was yelling at Melissa every time at the end of the when they were fighting with Margaret. Teresa was mad. Teresa's yelling at Melissa. What are you going to say, Melissa? Tell her this. Tell her that. And I could see the cracks in that relationship. And uh, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. But I don't think they're going to make up. I don't think they're going to make through this. And I cannot wait for the reunion, although I'm very nervous. And I don't know where we go from this. The end of the episode shows us next week's the finale. Which feels like we're just getting, how do we just get to the finale already? Doesn't it feel like we just got here? Like, what? I don't, uh, uh, I'm stressed that next week's the finale. Then the reunion. I can't wait for the reunion trailer. Anyway, next week on the finale, Joe confronts Louie, which is Louie in a tanning bed or like what's happening? Because he's, 
I, I, maybe it's something I, I don't mean to uh, talk about looks. We don't want to body shame any Louis or anyone. Uh, but it does seem like, I, or does maybe when he gets upset, his face gets really red, which I know that happens to some people. Remember Alex McCord, when she would fight, she would get the hives. So I know it happens, but it does seem like, uh, I don't know. It's his face. It, it seems like he gets really red, but maybe it's just like because they're outside a lot, or maybe he doesn't put on the suntan lotion, but always just throw on some sunscreen is what I'm saying. I just think like if you need to worry about this, wear your sunscreen. Wear your sunscreen is the point of this. If I can impart any knowledge into anyone, it's put on your sunscreen. In the morning or when you get out of the shower, use a moisturizer with an SPF. It's important. And I'm not someone who gets red. I have like a Italian-y skin and, and I don't tend to get red, but I still always apply the sunscreen because it's good for the skin. Anyway, next week's the finale and that's it, you guys. Uh, that is The Real House in New Jersey. Orange County, the reunion, you know, I don't normally reca- uh, recap the reunions. Sometimes I'll dip in, like on The Real House Beverly Hills, I did. Maybe next week we'll dip in after the Orange County reunion airs, but don't yell at me because the reunions, again, just aren't really fun to recap because they're all just sort of sitting there. So there's not usually a lot to say and I haven't watched the one for this week yet. So we'll maybe dip in next week. We'll talk, uh, uh, touch on it if there's something interesting. By the way, I'm not sure there's going to be anything interesting. Did you see that trader trailer? Ladies, am I right? There's not much going on. So maybe we'll dip in. But otherwise, uh, we do not recap the reunions. In Jersey, too, we're going to see how the trailer goes. But again, it's not custom for us to recap the reunions here on Everything Iconic. But maybe we'll dip in if they're good. We'll wait and see. But you guys right around the corner... We got Beverly Hills. We got Atlanta. And I think they're both going to deliver good seasons. And then now we know what's going on in Potomac. There's going to be some great stuff. I'm going to miss Summer House, too. I thought this week of Summer House with that chaotic dinner table was so good. So good. So thank you, Bravo. I'm going to leave you guys with this chat with Melissa from the Real World New Orleans. Check it out on Paramount+. Plus. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. There was a great Everything Iconic episode all about that Abercrombie doc that's on Netflix. It came out earlier this week, so listen to it. If you grew up in the late 90s or the early 2000s and you were even semi-aware of the impact of that store Abercrombie and Fitch at the malls, it's a really fascinating chat with the director, and we get into all of the kind of seedy stuff that was going on. And then the documentary is called White Hot, and it's on Netflix now. So check it out. It's great. Uh, okay, we have some other great guests coming up very soon. I love you all so much for listening. Thank you to Acast. Also, thank you, Amazon Music. Everything Iconic was featured on Amazon Music this week, so we want to thank them. Buy my book on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Please enjoy this chat with Melissa from the real world, New Orleans, Homecoming, and the original. Love you all so much. Bye-bye. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, 
all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. I have a real world legend here today. We have Melissa from the Real World New Orleans. Uh, they're doing Real World Homecoming on Paramount Plus, which I'm obsessed with this series. I mean, this is going to be the third season of Homecoming for Paramount Plus. It's so, so good. Melissa, how are you today? Oh my gosh, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. Not a legend. Wow. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. I got a chance to see the first two episodes of Real World Homecoming New Orleans, and it was so good. And it, I sort of forgot that this season of The Real World was, was sort of a turning point in a lot of ways. It was, in, it was aired in 2000, right? Or is that when you filmed? No, correct. Aired in 2000. And that was uh, the real world had already been off and running. So the first two seasons of Homecoming chronicled the reunion of the first two seasons. But what's interesting about this one was that the real world had been up and running. It was really a cultural phenomenon. So you guys all knew about the show going into it. So tell me a little bit about your experience of the audition and what was your experience with watching the real world before that? Were you a fan? Oh, my goodness. You know, what's crazy is oftentimes I'll hear other cast members talk about uh, their relationship with having gotten onto the show. And so many times you hear people say that they didn't really know anything about the show or they were dragged to an audition by a friend or they didn't know. That was not the case with me. I am a hardcore real world watcher. I have always loved the show. I knew from the very beginning, the New York show when I was I don't know what year was I was young. I was I was. You know, but was it junior high, high school, whatever it was that I was in? Um, I knew it was something special in terms of like what this could mean in like a, a pop cultural lexicon. And I was like, I love the show. I love seeing real people live their lives. And so I remember I uh, was sitting in my little apartment with my college roommate slash best friend since fifth grade. And I was sorting medical records because that's what I did for a living. Um, I had just finished 
getting my bachelor's degree in journalism. And I'm watching a real world Hawaii marathon and I am just, you know, in a trance. And I was like, hold on. And I started to figure it out. I was like, wait a second. It's only one brown girl on here. That could be me. Let me send this tape right quick. And I did. And then I got on the show, which is like, made no sense, but it did, but it didn't. And, uh, and you know, the rest is history. <laughs> the, the real world Hawaii was the first one that I remember getting really obsessed with. Like I remember that first episode when tech and Ruthie jump in the pool it was it was incredible TV. So that was the first one I was obsessed with. And then uh, your season was, I think I, I was probably 15 around that time, 14, 15, when uh, your season aired. And I was closeted and I remember watching Danny and like so many gay men, I think, were who were of my generation confused and excited and interested in this this young man. And uh, I hadn't realized until watching the first two episodes of Homecoming, like what a responsibility that must have been for him, but for all of you, and what a traumatic experience it must be coming off of that because you're really the face of something. And you have a podcast, and I was looking at the episode description or the um, podcast description, and it said you have a, a cool, you had an experience that was cool but soul crushing with fame. Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, since we revisited this uh, with the homecoming, Danny and I have reconnected and talked a lot. And um, while our experiences on the show are, you know, vastly different, there's still a level of an understanding that you can only have with another person who has experienced this level of fame. Danny was like super famous and kind of belonged to the world in that sense. So he and his private relationship with someone who was in the military at a time when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was just uh, an incredibly problematic um, policy in our country. And for him not to even have been the one in the military to be the face of it, that was just wild. And then on top of that, trying to maintain a relationship on top of, you know, this relationship meaning something very big outside of the show. So like, you feel like you're always going to forever be that person. And I feel like he's always going to be Danny from the real world. And he's forever going to be asked about Paul, despite the fact that it was a private relationship. So um, for me, um, when I say soul crushing, I just mean that I understand that I'll always be Melissa from the real world. I didn't understand that going in, even though I loved the show, I didn't realize the permanence of making yourself uh, be a young person forevermore. Like I'm just kind of in a time machine. And that was really a realization that I came to only about three or four years in the aftermath where I was dealing with a lot of anxiety about just constantly being recognized. Obviously that's changed a lot since, cause I've grown my hair back and fixed my teeth. Let's take a moment to look at these. <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> Stunning. Um, so when I say soul crushing, I just mean like I had to grow up really quick and it happened on camera. And then I had to realize that I'm going to be her forever. So, you know, after the show, I took some time away from, you know, the chasing of the fame. I had a little good run in LA for a minute. I, I, I did some hosting stuff for the Oxygen Network. I, I went on a challenge. I did stand up comedy. I was in improv school. I was in the grind. But then I was like, you know what? I don't know that this was necessarily what I was supposed to be doing, but at the same time, I had to capitalize on that moment. So 
it was a weird time. It was a weird time, but I appreciate it. It's hard to talk about it, you know, because people would be like, well, you made that choice. I was also 22. I was really young. And you know, your, your, your frontal, what do you call that? Your, your brain, your cortex, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's not (laughs) the frontal lobe. Yeah. It's not fully developed. I didn't know what I was doing. I just was having a lot of fun and it was fun and I don't regret my time. And I don't, um, I don't have hard feelings about that little girl that you guys met. It's just that when you're navigating your actual adult life in, in a private space, it becomes a weird thing. So, um, actually going back on homecoming was a really nice, uh, way to have closure with that. So I'm happy about it. So had you watched the first two seasons of homecoming? Because when I watched them, I was shocked at a, how good the show was, but B it was not what I expected going into it. I sort of thought it'd be like a one episode kind of reunion thing, but what is so fascinating is that they're showing you all footage. You're seeing some of these people who you probably haven't seen for a very long time. And you had contentious relationships with uh, that had sometimes abruptly ended or, or that had unfinished business. And it was more dramatic than I had imagined it being while also being super compelling. So, so was, had you seen it and was that a concern going into it? Come on now, Danny, you know, I saw it. Um, (laughs) Uh, when I had first seen um, the previews for Real World Homecoming, I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're going to bring people back that haven't you know, seen each other regularly for 30 years. And I think what's so special about the homecoming process is you're really only there's you think about it. There's what, 30 up 30 seasons of Real World, seven people per season. This is a small pocket of people that understand this experience. So for me to have watched them process their shit oops can i say no yeah fuck yeah oh yeah for me to have for me to have watched them process their shit was like therapeutic for me because it's like i don't have a real world person to talk to every day about these weird lingering feelings that are forever more um so i i loved it i thought that the first season was really well done in terms of us understanding like truly what happens to your life after you do something like this. And especially for that cast, because they were the original actual iconic um, cast members in the franchise. So I loved the show and I thought it was a great idea. I never thought uh, it was going to be us. You know what I mean? Like they went to one and two and I was like, Oh, they're going to get three, four, five, six, seven and eight. And by the time they get to me, I'll be 65. So (laughs) this is not a possibility. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, wait a second though, I got to get my mind right. What if they do call? What if I do got to jump back down into this volcano? So, you know, it was, it was, it was under the surface and then sure enough, they called and I was like, Oh no, who said no. (laughs) I love, I love this one because not only I think was it a, a, a turning point and also culturally, I think your season was very important. Like you said, because of the don't ask, don't tell thing. I think it, it kind of struck a chord with so many people, but I was so happy to see that all of you were participating because in the season two of homecoming, we were missing a couple of people. And then season one, Eric had to be quarantined. So it was exciting that all of you were together. Um, I got to talk about the Julie of it all. Julie to me has always been such a fascinating villain on MTV. And so, because I, I really think of her as a reality TV villain, not just from your season, but I, We'll never forget on the challenge when she tried to kill Veronica, <laughs> which I want to know. Do you know what was that about, Melissa? Tell me. Do you know anything about that I, situation? You know what? I don't. I I watch it on TV as you did, but uh, I'll say this: 
Um, I hadn't seen the woman in 22 years. The time that I had seen her before I moved into the homecoming house was when we were in Jamaica on a challenge. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, it, it was a contentious meeting, but that was the last time that I had spoken to her. So I said my piece about that. And just like Will Smith, you know, remember the quote, keep my name out of your effing mouth. I said that. And then I, I, I addressed it and then I went on about my business. So, um, like when I said, keep my name out of your fucking mouth, like that applied to me too. So I had never spoken about the woman again until I had to come back and do real world homecoming. So you're going to see how that shook out. Can you explain, or at least tease to listeners what happened? I mean, I know you, you explained it on the challenge, your last season of the challenge, but essentially she had bad mouth, both you and Danny for some of these speaking tours, which I don't know if listeners realize, but oftentimes, especially back then when people would come off of the real world, they would make a a large part of their living doing speaking tours at colleges. I remember I I was someone who interviewed people at colleges when they would come to our campus at Ohio University. And I remember Danny and Melinda coming and different real worlders would come to campus and I'd interview them. They'd they'd do a speaking event. Uh, So you, a lot of you had made really good money doing that. And she had, what exactly happened or what can you tell listeners? Well, basically I had, Danny and I shared an agent. We, we had the same agent and I only ever had one agent throughout this process. So nobody else should have been trying to book me or dictating what my schedule was based on, um, uh, my availability. So only my agent could do that. And so what started to happen was, started to not get jobs or started to get bumped from jobs because a person claiming to represent me said certain things about me or said things about my schedule that made it so that I couldn't have that job. And at the time you were right. That was, you know, our bread and butter because what, what's Melissa from the real world going to do after real world at the height of that kind of fame, when they used to air our show 24 seven, like ridiculousness levels on MTV now. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a really, uh, not cool thing that happened. And what made it more upsetting was because I had just filmed this TV show with her and in my heart of hearts, that was my friend. So that was my real friend on national television. And so discovering this after the fact, uh, sucked. And, and she then had, to have to, and she had just to clear up. So she had also gone to some of these places and said she would do things for cheaper. So that was part of the reason why you'd get bumped. Is that right? Yes. That was my belief and my understanding. And based on the letters that I saw from my agent, that was the case. Yes. That's so shady. That's so, so going back into that situation, as you're going into the homecoming house, are you thinking, I don't want to, I left this in the past, or were you excited to kind of clear up some of that? No, I feel like I addressed it in Jamaica, the way that it was meant to be addressed. I was honest about my feelings at, at that time. She, she gave her side of those events. And then if you remember back in the day, they used to have a um, section on MTV.com where the cast members could sound off or whatever. And I remember getting eaten alive after that first episode because there was this belief about her versus me that she is this innocent person. And here I am, this angry person of color. How could I possibly be the aggrieved party? 
And I remember I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to clear this up. And, you know, I got to clicking and clacking, you know, that Kermit gift. Yeah. <laughs> <who's typing. laughs> and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to break this down and then I'm never going to speak about it again. So I did. And, you know, I said my piece and then I moved on about my business. Um, how she feels about it, you will have to see. But moving into the house, I knew that that was going to be a topic of discussion because the challenge is also in the re- real world umbrella. So I was prepared to approach that. But I was also, you know, um, hoping that it, it it could come across with more clarity because you had to be a person that was really online at the time to truly understand what that scene was about. And so if you weren't really online, it just looked like a maniacal, very flat stomached Melissa. Um, <laughs> super tan, great body. Looked Melissa. Just you, look, <laughs> you look amazing to this day, but still, yeah, Thank you look you. great. Uh, you just went in there screaming and like, it, there was so much more to that. And it was really rooted in um, the pain and the loss of a friendship. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is what we learned on homecoming was that it wasn't just something that happened to you. It was also a very similar situation happened to Danny. And I don't want to spoil how the conversation plays, but it was super compelling and also very frustrating to watch. And have you seen the first, have you seen it yet? No, I'm very excited. I'm oh. very excited for it to come out because I, w- I would love to see how it plays and whether or not my teeth look great, most importantly. Oh, you look, I mean, you look stunning throughout the, throughout the first two episodes that I saw. Um, Okay. So who did you keep in touch with after your season? Were were you before going into the homecoming house in touch with any of the other cast members? No, that's, that's, that's the crazy part. And I'd always carried like a little weird sadness about that because I think what happens is all of us went on that show. Um, And then we kind of just either, you know, had our, you know, differences and went on about our business or um, interacting with each other kind of served as a trigger, not necessarily bad blood between parties, but just like you are a real world person. I am a real world person. I'm trying to forge my way and not be a real world person. So this can't be, even though our safest bet was to have each other, we didn't at that time. So, um, I had not kept in touch with anybody throughout that time, except for, you know, a text here and there. How are you? Great. Mazel tov on your, you know, wedding or whatever it is, but nothing crazy. I think the last time that I had seen Danny in the flesh, we were both coming at a plaid nightclub in New York. He tells the story every time I was having a night. Yes, I was. And, you know, there was a little bit of an issue and I ruined his shoes. Sorry. Um <laughs> How dare you and ruin so, a gay man's shoes? Really correct. unforgivable. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, th- that was the time. And so we had lost touch, but it was so fascinating. I'll say this. It was so, if, especially if you're a person that like really likes real world and like really understands what it means um, in a, in a pop culture, American culture way. Um, I was fascinated to go back in and meet how these six people who were in my actual house processed that time in their life, pre-social media, before Twitter, before Instagram, before instant um, audience reaction and like, see where they were in life. You know, like, do you have the same anxieties I have? Do you get recognized anymore? Um, how was it for you being super famous and also broke? Like 
these are really great conversations that I wanted to have. And I was able to have those and reconnect with many people in the cast. So, you know, for a person who doesn't leave her house, honey, I stay in the house. This was like, if I had to leave, this was a good reason to. What do you think of the reality TV landscape now? Because you mentioned there was no social media. And now I think people just go on these shows simply to build their social media so that they can live off influencer deals and, and merch and, and parlay that in monetarily in other ways. What's it like? Watch, what do you, what's it like watching now? I sort of think that's the problem not to interrupt my own question, but I sort of think that's the (laughs) problem with the new challenge is that there's so many people who go on just to be social media people and they, they're not as interesting personalities and they're very, uh, I, I feel guarded as to how they come across um, because they don't want to ruin their sponsorships. Yeah, that's a whole thing. And so I think probably our season was the last time where we were, we were right at the horizon of that happening. So Jersey Shore came out, Survivor came out, um, Big Brother became a thing. So reality TV at that time, created a, a, a both a competitive edge, but also a way to really be monetized. And we didn't have that. So we really truly had to be ourselves and then parlay that in the ways that we could, which was, you know, by going to Yakima, Washington and talking to a bunch of college students for $1,800 for the hour, you know? So um, we didn't have the the pretense and the fear of, you know, quote, being canceled or whatever because it wasn't attached to real money. Um, I think part of the scary part of going back into homecoming is realizing that, oh, wow, I'm going to be on TV when there is social media. Uh, that's crazy. But I also, I love Twitter and I have mastered Twitter, so I'm not scared. You, oh, people are going to love you, <laughs> Melissa. I mean, people are, yeah. Uh, you mentioned also you. without there being social media, What's fascinating to me is the song Come On Be My Baby Tonight, which was so beautifully remixed for that trailer. And of course, that's <laughs> been in all of our heads for since that aired. I mean, I literally, even since the home before the homecoming announcement, I would walk around the house and just start singing it because it's forever in there. And I think if if your season had come out maybe four or five years later when iTunes had been around, I feel like that would have been the biggest hit on on yes. a streaming service. And it was like, oh yes, man, I just missed it. I say this all the time too, because if you notice, there is now a new little reality TV trope where one of the stars goes and makes a show. So like Kim Zolciak, Don't Be Tardy for the Party, couldn't be what it is without David Broom's Come On Be My Baby Tonight. I'm just keeping it real. Like if I was a pop cultural historian, that's the reality of the situation. Um, yeah. I think that he really, you know, set the mark for that. And even after Real World, I think there was, uh, there was another real world person that made a song. Did it he, wasn't wait, this is, my baby tonight. This is, it might be a stupid question and I should have done my research, but does it exist on a streaming service? Like, can I go download that song? Girl, you know how bad I want to download that song. I've been, I've been, now Why that I have isn't his phone it? number and I could harass him every day. I'm like, baby, Tokyo, what is you doing? When can I get the it song? I need it be. as a ringtone. Please give it to me. What are you doing? Melissa, I love it. And you are so right. The ominous come on be my baby tonight remixed version. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. 
I mean, what are we doing here if not to get that on streaming? Like there, that has to be Correct. a priority. Like that need that should be on for, I don't know which episode it's going to be. That's going to focus solely on that song, but there better be one whole episode about it. MTV. <laughs> there better Listen, be one okay, entire see, is, episode about it. This is why me and you go together because I was very clear going into this that when I see David, who now goes by Tokyo, the first thing I wanted to do, because I we, we hadn't kept in touch the entire time. The first thing I wanted to do was say to him, you realize that you are the one that put us on the map. Mm-hmm. Your song is the reason why people remember us. Yes, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was cool. Sure, me crying about a bird on a swamp tour was interesting. But nothing is going to top Come On Be My Baby tonight in terms of like lasting power. Like yeah. it's an earworm. It's fantastic. Forever. So Yes, I was so happy to see him and and tell him that I had such good experiences out in the world because of that song. Yeah, and we're leaving money on the table at this point. We need to get it someone, even if it's for a charity or something, like just get some version, that ominous version that played on the trailer. Like somebody had to mix that. Like that needs to be available to download. Thank you. Uh, okay, wait. So you can't tell me anything about Julie trying to kill Veronica. That's in my notes. I wanted to just make sure you don't have any other insight there because I'm so fascinated by that. I don't. I'm sure she was. I'm sure Veronica was traumatized and is still traumatized to this day. But I, I don't know anything about how that happened and how it came to be. Because would I don't you, be on the challenge. Mm-mm. Would you do the challenge all stars like they're doing that now? Mm-mm. Girl, the no. way these teeth are set up. No, ma'am. <laughs> This caused a lot of money. Uh-uh, I can't be. Listen, they the, they originally had packaged it because they called me about it. They call me about it every season that it comes. So like, Melissa, do you want to come and do the challenge? And I'm always like, I'll tell you what, for the money that you're offering, I'll sit and watch it mm-hmm. and give commentary. Oh, I'd like But they that. never say yes. I would do. They never say yes because I love a sit in the house and watch stuff type of job. Uh-huh. Um, they, But, you know, they packaged it as let's bring it back to the old school, like fun but then you watch it and it's, you know, it's, it's them riding the tops of trains moving it's, fast. I'm like, yeah, Oh no, it's baby. still hard <laughs> challenges. Like I was shocked that they're doing tough challenges, but I feel very strongly that we only, I only want to see all of you all. I don't want to see the new seasons anymore. Like I, I'm, I want to see you all on the all-stars and the homecoming. And so they need to keep finding ways. I'm glad Paramount plus is finding ways to give us this stuff, but I need it. Uh, do you, what other, do you watch housewives? You mentioned Kim Zolciak. We talk a lot about housewives here on everything iconic. And I'm curious if you watch. Oh my gosh. I, I obviously was a real housewives of Atlanta person. I'm a, I'm a real housewives of New York person and I'm a real housewives of Beverly Hills, which led into my Vanderpump rules obsession. So Mm. yes, I'm a person that very deeply understands this. I'm very late. I know that I should have been watching Potomac. Oh, of course. Yeah. You need to watch Potomac. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have time. But yeah, I, I, I love all those shows. And I mean, I've been I've been with those shows from the very beginning. I'm talking about before Nini's teeth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Remember that fight she had with Sheree? And they're just like, she's like, look at these. And that was the, the Trump check fight. Yes. Um, yes. Of course, that. I remember. Would you ever do like a Bravo reality show or any other reality show? Or are you like, no, I'm done with reality? I did do a Bravo reality show, one of Andy Cohen's very first early productions. It was called Battle of the Network Reality Stars. Oh, it was obviously I remember. canceled. I remember yeah, that. And so they had, you know, they had, it was kind of like the challenge, except in the vein of like a 70s fun where they used to get all the networks together and have the network stars compete against each other, but it was all very fun. So like a dunk tank bobbing for apples 
uh, relay races in the pool. Um, I did that one. And I remember, you remember Charla and Myrna from The Amazing Race? I sure do. Yeah. They were on my team and my team had a little bit of a blow up because um, Charla wanted to go first in the swimming relay thing. And she had actually said that she had a bigger wingspan than me. And I was like, I mean, I guess. Okay. My, I can't <laughs> swim anyway, so I let her go ahead and do it. <laughs> now I need to go rewatch this somewhere. I hope they have it somewhere streaming. Oh, it was hysterical. That was a really fun time. I remember um, American Idol people were there. Omarosa was there. What that a, was time. a time. The early reality. No, no one's better than the early reality TV stars. Like there, it was just, it's a better pool of people than what they cast now. It just simply is. Uh, Melissa, who will you guys keep in touch now after doing Homecoming? Will you keep in touch with these people or are, did you leave it feeling like you got the closure you, you needed and you're done? No, no, we have a cute little support group going. You know, everybody's kind of gone after the taping, you know, we kind of went back to our regular lives, but we check in with each other here and there. And I just spent a day uh, in the city with Danny, which was lovely. We went and got ourselves some ribs on Paramount's Dime. Love that. Love that. Um, <laughs> um, so it's been great. Uh, I think that this was a good experience just for that part. Yeah. You have to tell Danny, I mean, as, as a gay Danny myself, it was seeing him mm-hmm. on the original was just, it meant so much to me. And I, I'm sure he hears that all the time, but it was uh, really an eye opening experience for so many of us. Listen, you say that he hears that all the time, but like, does he understand it? Because yesterday we had a moment um, while we were doing press together and, you know, he had to take a moment because he was trying to explain like the gravity of, that situation for him at, as a, as a 22 year old young gay man who was himself not ready to be out and out in such a big way. And I just had to like grab him by his shoulder and say, let me tell you something you, cause even me, I hear it. You don't understand what just your existence in the world means to people. Like you are so very special. Um, and I get it. You're, you're a private person and, and, and real world isn't everything that you're always going to be, you know, but you have to understand that you gave such a gift and coming back now and addressing it after is such a lovely thing to do for people. Well, and I don't know if people really understand the, the gravity of representation that the real world gave so many different communities. I think as a like I said, it, coming from Ohio, a small town, it was like the, you, I was getting to see different kinds of people through each season of the real world, people that I would have never been exposed to. Someone like Julie, who I would have never been exposed to. Someone like Danny, who I needed to be exposed to on television. And at the time, there wasn't representation like we have now. And we still have so many, so much of a ways to go, but the real world was always at the forefront. And, and, looking back at the seasons now, it's, we could sort of say through the lens of 2022, like, yeah, they should have had maybe better representation. You know, there was like, you had said one Brown girl on a season and, you know, so the, I think there are, are ways it could have been better, but it still was like watching any of the seasons of the real world. I always knew that I would go in and get to see a person that I wouldn't have normally been exposed to. And that was so incredibly important for young people yeah. to be able to see on a network that was the the spot for young people to go to. 
Yeah. MTV at the time was the barometer for what was happening in the world. Like I remember watching my news. Kurt Loder was my, my Anderson Cooper, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that was really important. And, and, and in terms of representation, like me being half black, half Filipino uh, to this day, so many Filipinos, so many Filipinos are like, when you walked in with that bag of rice, you don't understand. My heart was swelling with pride and joy. Just like, of course, I'm going to walk in with a bag of rice. Of course, I have a rice cooker. Like, I'm a half Filipino. Um, so it's just like so special and so important. And I did say going into this, I was like, I hope that you guys understand that. Like, at that time, they, they did, you know, we they did their best. Were there some blind spots? Sure. But I really felt like my Filipino side was not shown because I had to kind of be the teacher on the racism front. And the racism was specifically a black and white issue. So I said, I hope that we have time to represent for Asians this go around. So you'll have to watch and see how that worked out. But it, I'm going to say that this is, and I hate to do it. I, I don't want to toot my own horn and I don't have any, you know, say in the storytelling. But based on what I experienced there, this really does feel like a good nostalgic turn that also addresses um, really important issues for us as people that survived a reality show, but also for the people that we belonged to at that time. Did you feel a pressure when you first joined the house when you were 20 in your early 20s? Or, or was that just something you, you couldn't feel the weight of? I, I had no idea. I really went in yeah. there very excited yeah. to be on MTV. And, um, and I was having genuine and real conversations as a young person. And Granted, now as an adult, I have more language and more um, ways to express very complicated, nuanced feelings that I have, like on a socio-political level. But what I did and said at 22, I would say was pretty good for a kid. Yeah. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Okay, Melissa, before I let you go, I ask all of my guests the next two questions. First is, if you were choosing for People Magazine, Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? And I want to know, like a celebrity, but also since you're a real world fan, like uh, also a Sexiest Man Alive for in the real world universe. And then I also ask everyone their favorite Mariah Carey song. You're Lamely? Oh, yeah, I'm Lamely. I love her. She's my everything. 
<sighs> my everything. Stop this. Okay, so give last me- night in the hot tub in the dress. I cannot I mean, with in her. the hot tub with the dress and the Irish. I mean, come on, <laughs> I love her. Okay, okay. Well, first we'll start off with my favorite Mariah Carey song is "Fly Like a Bird." I delivered <sighs> my first child to that song on loop, so it's very special to me, and I can hit <sighs> every note. I'm not going to do that here, and you know, make your listeners upset with my skills. But woo, you really are, wow. Lamb, and I love I love you so much for saying <laughs> it because oftentimes I ask people and they say her Christmas song, which of course is a fantastic amazing wonderful song but in yeah, her but like, collection there's so much so i love yes, that and have you that. seen that have you seen that thread that's going around with all of her uses of different um devices in the literary realm oh yeah yeah i mean yes <laughs> I was okay just, we're, yeah. we're gonna get off on a crazy tangent like, no, I, I know love and i was so just much. talking about i was just talking about her the heartbreaker lyrics there's like a an amazing line i mean so much of her lyrics which she writes it's like they were sat words that you would i learned because of her and, dude i got a tweet the other day saying that um there it was a young gay asian boy that was like you don't understand you are the reason why i love vocabulary and i was like well you don't understand that mariah carey is the reason that i love vocabulary um and melissa you were you were delivering vocabulary both on homecoming and the original so i have to thank you for that (laughs) oh you've oh you've seen it oh i can't wait i do love words i love a big sat word i like to spell them out i like to use them repeatedly i like to you know splash them in okay so if what was the first question i was sexiest man alive if you were choosing for people magazine and i want to know like celebrity wise but then also like real world or MTV worldwise. Does that make sense? Okay. So, yep. That makes perfect sense. So celebrity wise, we're going to say, and you know, he's a long Island legend. I'm going to say my husband. And if you saw my husband, okay, I'm you saw a picture of my husband. I'm telling you right now, personally, just because I have had very many great experiences with gay men who end up loving my husband. So like every gay man I've ever introduced my husband to just as the friend group, like they end up being friends. And then I become the third wheel. I don't okay. know how that works. I'm gonna but need to Justin see Beck, Okay, Justin. Gonna, um, yeah, Justin Beck from Glass Jaws, the the sexiest man alive. But if I had to pick someone in the real world realm, and it wasn't Danny, so like, we're, let's just take Danny off the table. I'm gonna say, you remember Simon from Paris? Simon from Paris. Okay, Paris was was that the CT season? I think wasn't it Simon? I'll was look it? him up. I don't know. No, look him up now. Okay, I'm going to look him up. Go look at his Instagram right now. That's a sexy man right there. Listen okay. to me. Blonde, then the body is tan. Oof. Oh, yes. Okay, I remember him. Okay. Okay, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, we'll kind of, him. he sort of looks like a, he looks like this kind of model person I follow. Oh, yeah, he's very, yes. Okay, good choice. <laughs> okay. Okay, good choice. Good choice, Melissa. Um, okay. This was so fun. I love getting to chat with you. I'm so excited for people to check out The Real World Homecoming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, how many episodes are there? Do we know that yet? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There's but, probably a good um, amount. And let me tell you something. This show is just really fucking, excuse my language, well-produced. Like I, The first two seasons are amazing. And there are eight episodes. Brian from PR is letting us know that there are eight episodes. But it's okay. so well-produced. And I need people, even if... I hate to say this, but like, go do the free trial of Paramount Plus to watch all these if you have to, or subscribe to it. It's not that much. It's what the cost of a couple of cups of coffee or something. Cause it really is, I think, worth it just for these shows. And it's fantastic. So everyone needs to check it out. And you also have a podcast too, right? 
I do. I do. I have a podcast uh, called Imperfect Strangers. And the premise of it is actually me getting to know a stranger, which is a thing apparently that I do. So um, we're actually going into our fifth season. We have 80 episodes that you can stream anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, um, and I've, you're I've on had social a really media, fun time. You're on social media where? Where can people find you? Um, my Twitter is Melissa RWNO. My Instagram is Melissa Beck RWNO. You'll find them because they have blue. Can you believe someone gave me a blue check? All these years I've been me and I'm just now getting a blue check. Thank you, homecoming. Um, I follow I, you I, on every- Twitter and it's really a... You're a great Twitter follower or follow. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for stepping by. We're all going to check it out. Uh, Thank you for opening up your life on this show. I'm such a huge fan. So thank you. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 